Hello and welcome to the How Might We Sessions podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scally, as always. Now, on today's session, we have Alvin Owusu Fordio. He's a strategist, youth worker, and founder of Tag Agency. Uh, Tag Agency is a youth culture agency that transforms lives through community, culture, and storytelling. He's an incredible guy, someone who I've been really fortunate to work with recently, developing a series of events which brings together local young people and creative practitioners to discuss areas of change, opportunity, challenges that face the area and how we can work more symbiotically to uh, unpick those issues and create a more prosperous and inclusive economy in the area. Now in this conversation we talk about a lot of different things. Um, He's got an incredible insight into the kind of creative ecosystem here and he's worked really closely with a lot of organizations, even Hackney Quest. Uh, so Luke, an episode back, who hopefully you've listened to that podcast. If you haven't, uh, Luke from Hackney Quest was a, an incredible guest on the podcast. So go back and, and listen to that one if you want further reading uh, after you've had a, a listen to this one. Here is my conversation with Alvin Owusu Fodio. Thank you for coming on the show, man. No problem at all. No problem at all. Well, I wanted to bring you on the show. We've been working together for a little while on some events here in Hackneywick, Fish Island. Um, they're currently happening, although by the time anyone listens, they'll be done. well in the past, done in the can. Um, but it's been really great to work with you on them. And as they're happening now, really informative for me um, and an interesting concept, I think, for how to engage uh, diverse groups of people in an area to try to Im- unpick some of the difficulties between the kind of communication of various groups. But we'll get onto that, I imagine, in the conversation. But before we do, for anyone who doesn't know yourself and your work, how would you describe yourself and what is it you're working on right now? Sure. I'm a co-founder, strategist and youth worker. I work at the intersection of um, storytelling youth culture um, and social impact. Like what that actually means is I co-run a youth culture and marketing agency. So we work with brands to connect them to to culture through like storytelling and other creative projects. And that has meant working with Facebook to launch a social innovation academy of young people from black and other marginalized groups. It has also meant launching an ebook and a short film at the height of the global Black Lives Matter protests. Um, because we realized in that moment that like we didn't want to hear from brands, but like young black people wanted to be able to tell a story that existed of them just existing and that kind of sat outside the really abnormal and uh, hyper traumatizing world of like racial inequality. Um, so yes, yeah, so we just do a, a ton of different things ultimately to to like bring power back to young people to show brands like there is a better way to to collaborate and do social good. Um, the youth worker part is like kind of sits in within my work at Tag, but it also like sits outside. So I work a lot with Hackney Quest and um, on like projects impacting like young people in Hackneywick. So we have a big mural coming up um, soon-ish. Hopefully <laughs> by the time this comes out, is that the Red Path? The, no, that oh. isn't Red Path. This is you probably don't know about this, but this was in response. I did some research with young people. And they said that they felt excluded from the creative and cultural activities in the area. So um, 
and everything that they everything that they participated participated in felt quite temporary. So like we thought about like what does like what does permanence mean in this context where everything is changing and um we just kinda like landed on people really like the idea of that Dorsten mural has been there. It's kind of it's signposted. People know it's got this like big like community cosign has been used across different like platforms. What would it be for us mean for us to like replicate that? Um but really spotlight young um change makers in Hackney who have like been here, have been like creating change. And yes, and we recently got approval on a, a big wall Ooh. in Hackneywick. Um, so I'm really excited about that. So that's what my uh, youth work looks like. Um, yeah. Amazing. Well, I mean, you touch on a lot of different things there. I mean, something that we've perhaps uncovered slightly in these events we've been working on is that, you know, there's, there's multifarious ways that this um, area is interpreted by uh, groups, local people, young people specifically was kind of the target of what we were doing. So the methodology or the, the, the premise was having a room where young people and creative practitioners, businesses, employers, workspace providers, the sort of, um, I guess, in the, the, the value chain, the kind of people who will be employing or deliver economic activity currently with the, uh, a cohort of young people who will likely either be their customers now or will maybe even be uh, part of the team or, or create a company which will be housed in one of these studio spaces that don't necessarily feel like they're represented in any of these spaces or say skills programs etc don't necessarily speak to challenges they directly face mm -hmm. um, and of course that problem means that the scale is massive and it's extremely complex and, and, and intricate mm -hmm. and I think we've kind of gradually through these events started to you know build up a bit of a a knowledge base which can hopefully mean that we take some direct action towards solving some of those issues in a small way you've put it on your back you've said in the events yourself you're like i'm gonna make sure this isn't just a you know come sit talk nothing happens which i was mm -hmm. you know i also i'm in that camp with you so yeah. i'm glad i have a partner in this yeah oh, for sure for sure and lucy even though you are my commissioner um <laughs> the, i've been called um, many things <laughs> never that the um it is yeah, it's super important to me around like every um, every commission that I take that like I completely understand, especially in that like currently I sit on the the smaller ends of like because this is this is placemaking, this is big development like that is a millions to billions pounds, uh, uh, millions to billions of pounds of like development and change work that's been happening on the other end. I currently sit at the the less well-funded, more community-focused <laughs> um, side of things. and But even now, I think hopefully when I do get to the other side of it, like, I really, really, like, I take on, like, if I decide to, like, take it on, then I I make a commitment that, like, it isn't, it doesn't create harm, like, further harm in, like, already marginalised communities. There is, um, and it actually, it actually does something. Like, I think the, as we move closer towards, like, we want to hear more from like local people. We want to hear more from local people. I think um, I don't know. I I can see we haven't figured out like we haven't collectively figured out like best practice in a way that like I'm not sure that like on mass we're not wasting people's time. Um, and I just know I don't want to join that camp. Um, and if I am taking a commission, then I have to I have to have taken on all of what that burden is. Yeah. Um, I agree, man. So in terms of a how might we question, which is what we try to anchor the whole discussion on in this podcast, 
one of the things that I saw on your, I think it was on your LinkedIn, mm -hmm. is you said you, you focus on social change through creativity, mm -hmm. which as a creative person myself, or I, I guess I identify with my definition of what creativity is, mm -hmm. I thought that was a really interesting uh, boilerplate to explore because I think potentially maybe social social change through creativity doesn't necessarily seem it doesn't naturally intuitively feel like the direct route through to social change like if I said to you, someone on the street how do you think we're gonna create social change whatever you think that might mean mm -hmm. do you think there's a high chance that I personally wouldn't imagine many people would come up with creativity as the vehicle but we've experienced it directly and indirectly as an incredible vehicle mm -hmm. for change so would you be happy with that as a as a how might we question since it's your uh, words already? I think that'd be a great question. I'm I'm laughing because I remember like randomly meeting this man and telling him, "Oh yeah, I studied economics and da da da, and I I care about this and I do that." And then him saying, "So why aren't you an economist? Like why aren't you a lobbyist? Why aren't you?" Do and I was like, "Uh, I like." Yeah, because I think creativity is a good thing. <laughs> like, it can be used as a force for social good. The um, so yeah, I'm really I'm really big on because I know people see me and they think, oh, Alvin, like, what happened? Weren't you going to be the prime minister? Um, wow. So genuinely, so I'm but like, I'm trying to I'm exploring alternative ways to do social good. So yeah, absolutely perfect. Okay, so if we think about thinking about it from first principles, I mean, for me, when I think of creativity, again, I sort of touched on it briefly there. My, I'd be really interested in what your definition is of creativity. Like when you think of that term and how you've seen it manifest in your personal life, maybe through your family, uh, your pals, um, colleagues now, you know, you mentioned some of the projects you've done with companies like Facebook. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you see creativity defined in your world? No, I read this um, really good write-up um, that basically illustrated that, like how we're all create creatives and how creativity is a necessary force for everybody to do good work anywhere. Um, and I think that's how I'd want to start. Um, it's a skill, like a skill that's available to everyone, um, mm -hmm. and that like, really simply, I think it would be. how creativity is how we make full stop <laughs> i mean is it creativity is how we make and it's a skill that is available to everyone um and i think i'd i'd, I'd park it there because i think when we get um that when we get granular with the that our ideas of creativity i think sometimes we can the big thing is that i think people feel excluded Right. from the conversation and i did for a long time as in econ undergrad like it was that like i thought the creativity was that like it was airy fairy like yeah I'm, I'm a real man yeah, he does man. he does the big hard subjects um where does that sit in the growth accounting formula yeah no exactly <laughs> um but our ability our, like all of our abilities to to make the idea um and it's available to everybody i think it's interesting and i mean i can't remember the the study but i think it's called like our ideas harder to find or something like that our yeah. ideas harder um i think this is this this idea of like ideas in that milieu you know they talk about uh, moore's law and things like that and the amount of research required to create um kind of an aggregate output of value mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but in that discussion, I can't imagine they're thinking about creative practitioners doing R and D quote unquote mm-hmm. in their studio, mm-hmm. which, you know, if you've spent any time with creative people, like it is R and D. I mean, it's not lab coats and yeah. it's not with a university, but again, that's just a heuristic that people have. Yeah. And do you think that that kind of belief or that availability heuristic is what people, you know, writ large tend to think of creativity like as in a way? Like, do you, do you think they don't see like if, in terms of how they think and feel about creativity? Is there an asymmetry between how you've experienced it and your career path versus say when you, you know, maybe speak to younger people, uh, in your family and your and your friend group, do they do they kind of see what you're doing and it makes sense, or do they see it and go like, oh, I don't, I didn't actually realize that was what kind of creativity could allow me to do with my life. Yeah, um, yeah, I think there is still quite um, like a buying review on like creativity, and I I know that like if I if I had gone to my mom for example and told her, yeah, man, I want to be uh, a creative, I just want to do creative work. Um, there's just no way that would fly. Like I was the son. I was gonna be the breadwinning son. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, because I had like, like good enough grades, etc. Um, and that's and the economics degree, I imagine, went down a storm. Yeah, a storm. And I remember when I um, even like, even though I did that like, and I had interned at Google, etc. Um, I remember afterwards, um, my mom saying, oh, "So when are you gonna like use your economics degree?" Because and I heard that like, that was the direct pipeline to wealth. I think. Um, well, yeah. The. So I'm trying to remember the exact question. But do you was, think then, in terms of you know, um, is that story then easy to use? Like when you express that to someone else, maybe who mm-hmm. might also have that relationship with their mom. Yeah. Are they like, oh yeah, it's getting better, like generationally, or do you think, like, say, when you, when you have children, you know, you would have unlocked in terms of identity economics, you know, you would have unlocked norms and values and a network which allows you to then say, hey, son, daughter, here's an here's a career path which sounds, as you said, to the econ's airy fairy, mm. but I can outlay clearly to you how it isn't and the opportunities and the great life you might have. And yeah. do do you sense that that's degrading like and the, the kind it of- feels it feels like it's shifting right. um and like if you go to a um a secondary school any secondary school you ask predominantly young women um what do, what do i want to be young so not young women young girls what do i want to be it'd be i want to be an influencer i want to be a creator um wow. like that is a arts young boys are um I wonder. I could blow off TikTok. I can make some money here. So I think there is absolutely a generational shift around. And even those words, like I want to be a creator, um, like people from really a really young age have started to shift around. And again, it's all directly linked to wealth. And they've seen like the influences that they followed over years start to buy homes and travel the world and where and that like, build a lifestyle that like they can aspire to. So like why wouldn't I like why wouldn't I like lean into my creativity? It's interesting because then you think it's like what they see. Mm. So they like social media is the great channel, as you said, and like an influencer. And I can't believe it sometimes. You know, I'm I'm I think I made the prime availability, the, the, you know, that prime drink from uh, oh, yeah. whatever. I made that joke to my girlfriend about 10 times in the past week. Anytime we go to a corner shop and it just was like an empty shelf where mm. that drink once was. And I, I 
I haven't done the research. I don't know how good the drink might be, but I can only assume it's not much better than a. It is. You insert know. <laughs> insert Lucas Aid. Um, you know, it's just the most standard um, yeah, average drink. Yeah, it has yeah, to yeah. be. But then I look at that and go, okay, that's the, that's the like, you know, that's the person getting a, a massive record deal or something, you know, which is still like, like extremely small proportion of people, right? But what we're what you're maybe expressing there is that more people who take the career path that you do maybe don't express the fact that it's like a moonshot, but instead it's just a viable career path with some security and, you know, your identity utility isn't reduced and you actually sense that, you know, you get to do really, you know, useful work and you're happy with your life. Exactly that. Um, and I think it's important to note that so in the, I think the same LinkedIn post um, that I would have wrote about um, about creativity and social change, I would have also wrote about the role of like brand as um, in like creating abundant futures. Um, and I genuinely think we even like sometimes we start to see ourselves as like personal brands, etc. And that like, I think more generally there is a there is an appetite for like brands to hold more of the responsibility for what they do in the world so like if a brand is making us consume more for example we expect for their um practices to be more sustainable etc so like there's great uh, like i don't think the the worlds of that creativity and social change are that far apart anymore because we have expectations even with influencers we expect them to influence responsibly um it's really naturally you see as people like ascend through their like creativity they do a big activation in the store they think about they think about let's say Gymshark puts on um a big what would Gymshark do? <laughs> I'm not even the fitness boy. I don't know. I mean I do. I'm I even I'm struggling. Like I don't know, like a yeah, like a an open gym day or something. An open gym day, um in Hackneywick. They will tap up me, they will tap up you because they need to do you know what I mean? It's like actually we can't just impose in this right. area. It's for gatekeepers like, and exactly that. They yeah. who do who should we reach out to? Actually, should we leave people with actual product because the people coming might not be our like like they're not our like customers right now, but they might be. Yeah, um, right. So yeah, I think there is the, the worlds are like coming closer and closer together, and really naturally. And I really do see uh, a world where um, like brands, creators, like like really le- leverage their like influence and wealth. To create social change um and like i'm talking about that significant social investment um right. like i think about um the like cages for example um oh well, the moogas moogas yeah 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 to use game area exactly need yeah. to stop using acronyms the um i i can't see why new balance and right wouldn't like just decide to or shouldn't um just decide to like revamp a ton of um multi-use games areas in, in Hackney. Um, I guess, and it's very myopic in a way you can imagine it's like an optics thing where there's just someone at a senior level that goes, well, I've kind of heard about something that that whole area represents and that's not our brand. Mm-hmm. But then you go, you know, and that's a conversation we talked about Luke before this, you know, he really expressed to me like the value of those those spaces in a way that, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up in a small town in East Midlands. Like we didn't even, you know, there's what, it was like a field. You sure. know? But the field was that. You know, and now I would mm. go back and see the like the the te- the pop up skate thing that someone's made of just yeah. some blocks and whatever, 
and you know my mum will be like oh that's where the trouble is but I'm also mm. like that's where the community is and that's where some like ownership and some worth gets built yeah. you know yeah yeah it's it's funny though that those perceptions don't get mirrored but you you talked as well about the gatekeepers or like people being I guess more respected for their work or more um you know reimbursed for their work whatever it might be do you think and in, in terms of your network that you've built do you sense that others see it as kind of a more meritocratic industry than say you know you, you, you talked about doing economic development or e economics at university mm. if you thought about how am I going to get into economics do you feel like you would have got a fair shot into that industry in the same way that you get a fair shot as you interface with you know in your in your creative capacity no that's such a good question no, I, I don't think so. I, you know, I think really naturally, so the being like a young black man from inner city London, I think, I think I've always known that my, uh, like my creativity has been like valued, if that makes sense. Um, and you look at the creative outputs of our like, black men in from inner city london from and my brain goes to skepta and jamal edwards etc and co rest in um, peace, rest in peace. and and i think about that like, I've, I've always like i've seen i've had those that like, really visual like depiction so obviously and it's built that like, trust trust in that like, the public perceptions of like can that like, black men be creative or black boys be creative um there's obviously a ton of other like like perceptions some of them more harmful than others but like had, do I think that like there's always been room for like my creativity? Yes. Um, whereas like the the rooms where you have the the white lab coat, etc. Um, and and where like will my creativity be accepted in those rooms? Um, where there's much space for them? Absolutely not. Um, so I think that we actually really, I do think that that did play a huge part in like where I decided to lean into, I decided to like lean into the spaces that, that I felt like were definitely more accepting of me. However, I am like, I am really conscious. Sometimes the, it does feel like you're leaning out of like the rooms of power. So more recently I worked, um, like my last job before I went full time in my business, I was working at Children in Need as, um, uh youth advisor slash like like grant program manager um mm -hmm. i worked on the we move fund which is a 10 million pound 10-year program focused on black children and young people in the uk and it was like the first of its kind and i i like co-designed like all of it um with mercy shabemba and that was a fantastic opportunity um but obviously incredibly it was a it was a was a big corporate machine and it was incredibly complex and do i think that uh, at times creativity my creativity was like stifled there was enough space for it um i'm i'm not entirely sure um right. so do you know what i mean sometimes yeah, no. the sometimes like these institutions that are slightly more formal maybe traditionally less seen as creative just don't have enough room for you to do your best work and sometimes your best place like to, it's a shame but sometimes your best place like outside or in another direction right and is that what incentivizes you think more people to create like a like you say you created your own agency rather than 
working at another? It was completely out of genuinely. I do not think I could work at another like another advertising agency. And I'm um I'm not even that that entrepreneurial. I, I, I spoke at the the entrepreneurship event the other day saying I was the consumer when people were selling things I was buying them and I'd even be tipping and I didn't have that much money but I was just proud of them for doing it making their dreams come true yeah man um so but like I think I genuinely do not think I could work at um another agency because I actually see the culture right um like within like advertising and it's not actually not too dissimilar to like banking um where like really that long hours sure. the ways in which like people communicate with each other expectations sometimes i just think there is a little bit backwards um so yeah I, I really do appreciate the environment of um like social third sector spaces um and the things that they prioritize around like love and care and respect and trust and, and those things and i think that's and and that third uh, third spaces point and that was something that was brought up in our first session on um on, on community mm-hmm. um was a, a kind of central theme was around this idea of uh, you know the, the the workshop leads were talking about you know where do you tend to interface most with your with your friends from from school or your your network and a, a lot of people said the the train station mm. and that really like you know it, it resonates with me i was like yeah I, I have that too but it made me also go like how kind of like Un, un, underserving those spaces are to that idea mm. and not that we should you know turn them into like shiny places where people can tap and like you know connect on linkedin in this mm. space you know not some knockoff rubbish but just more like how we don't sometimes look in those kind of unobvious places where you know they are where we have to we yeah. all 90 percent of us have to use it you know it's it's the cheapest form of transport it's the most efficient and we're all kind of going through these places but we don't look to like revamp and revolutionize those places. Yeah. We just sort of go, they have a function. Yeah. And in reality, you know, and, and, and something that one of the, to, and to think about that kind of social change through creativity, it's like, you know, if, if those spaces are democratic in a sense that, you know, it's the cheapest form of transport, or, you know, everyone can reasonably use it. You know, why aren't they utilized more for the benefit of creating community connections and spaces? You know, instead of putting a bench down where they go, well, we put a bench down and that, I mean, people will loiter and bad things will happen. Yeah. It's like every time. Yeah. Come on, man. Like not every time. You know, I think um, so. I'm actually a big fan of um, TFL. Um, and if I see anyone shout from out TFL, TFL, shout out TFL. And like, I think they're, they have like an awareness of, of like their role in London, like in London, and and like how many eyes they see every day. I think they could do way more in terms of right. like in terms of like advocacy. I think they could do way more. But do I think they're blind to it? No, I shouldn't say blind. Um, do I think they're like completely yeah, unconscious of um, like the fact that they have that many eyes that that there's scope for them to influence through creativity? No, no. And like I think there's a uh, there's a, a beautiful piece um, at Bethnal Green Station right now. Um, can't remember the name of it, but it's um, about um, like how we see like black women, um, which was cool. Um, I see. Uh, I think that's there. Like right now, we have Brixton Station um, where you have Mark Thompson. He's got this quote um, that's in the like TFO logo that um, I think it says. That black men loving black men is a revolution. 
Um, Shamming is a, wow. a, a, a beautiful quote. And like Brixton are like Brixton as a station, and I think there's a, a big piece of black art as well at the um, at the head of the station. So I think they are. Um, they're aware of like what it means for like they're aware of like what their role is. Do I think they could advocate a little bit harder, push things a little bit further, and especially? And I think, I think what you were alluding to was I think maybe stuff around spatial design. So like more than just um, like people like artwork on the wall. Like how do we actually do that? Facilitate it in a way that like people can come and like connect a little bit more deeply. Yeah. Um, that being said, London trains are really bad vibes. I take the Central Line every day. <laughs> I, you wouldn't I'm, advise a board meeting. Yeah, on exactly. Line. I'm trying to avoid all communication at all costs. But like I do, I agree. I think there is there's definitely scope to 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 potentially like redesign. But I think what they have right now in terms of creative assets, in terms of like billboards, art, like reimagining all of that, I think there's there's there's, there's they're going in a positive direction. And it's that thing of, I guess, from the architectural perspective in terms of that social value through creativity. I mean, I often, you know, I aesthetically, talking about Hackney Wick, if everyone would just Google Hackney Wick Overground Station, from an architectural perspective, I actually find it quite pleasant. But I've heard many people say that they don't. Um, and I wonder sometimes, thinking about that in terms of how spaces reflect, you know, the diversity and community in terms of architecture, you know, and a, and a space like that to me feels like an opportunity more than, say, you know, a new housing development. Like, I feel like there's more constraints there, you know, when we're talking about X amount of units or, you know, these kind of things. Public realm can be, and, you know, I guess that's sort of what we're talking about. Obviously, it's transport infrastructure, but connected to public realm. But it makes me think about, the again, another um, great insight or one that was quite eye-opening for me. Kind of, I guess I'll tell two sides of it as quickly as possible because it's... Um, I don't want to take too much time on it, but one of the participants in one of our events was talking about how they felt that when gentrification, as, as they called it, happens in an area, no matter how good the opportunities that are created on the ground are, they sense that if they take them, that they would be selling out mm. and that people around where they grew up or, or what have you wouldn't respect them for taking those jobs, mm. which was really... You know, and I, I, it sort of speaks to this idea around identity economics in terms of, you know, how traditional economic boilerplates sort of miss, as you mentioned, they sort of miss the kind of second and third order effects of social and cultural uh, factors, which if you've ever lived two seconds on this earth, things aren't just as simple as a, as a boilerplate, right? There's a lot of stuff that's unsaid and there's behavioral things that we have Im embedded in us over generations, which are very hard to bypass. But it made me think that when a counterpoint made by another uh, a, a young lad in, in the room said, why not us? Yeah. He's like, who do you think there's an opportunity? Like, why not you? Yeah. What is it that you think you don't have that they want that's stopping you? And I haven't heard that perspective enough. So it was nice eh, to think that that perspective is there. But I guess it goes back to that point of, if we think about sort of what kind of companies represent you know, like on what stations represent, you know, like, but if a new company comes into the area, they might be a design practice and they might be, you know, quite liberally minded um, and want to hire diverse talent. So they come forward with that idea, but then they're kind of like nor the norms and the values and the, the kind of aesthetic structure of their company speaks a completely different language to something that say someone on a local estate has grown up around or experienced regularly. 
how do we how do you unpick those things like is there is there is there any way around it like in a sense of you know if we think you know i think network is really critical and i think it's something that you're doing with the agency and the events is not just showing people oh here's all these people that are here that you can engage with it's like here's also these people that you know reflect your your life as well who mm. maybe didn't do it directly here but adjacent to here and they leveraged here and they did it their way so you don't have to just play by the playbook, yeah. you know. That's what great creative destruction. That's what it is, yeah. right? Do Do you see what are the attitudes that you see in in terms of your engagement uh, with in terms of your youth working through the agency? Do, are people coming to you with the, with that kind of feeling of like, oh yeah, this all this amazing stuff's happening, and I don't think it's for me, or are they? Is it is it more so trending in the direction of, no, I've had enough of this. Like we're gonna we're gonna step in the door and like own. Mm -mm. No, and and it's so so a lot of initially I thought all of our work was convincing the value of our creativity to brands, um, and our in this context I'm going to define as like marginalized people. It's really broad, but guys, right? We don't have that much time. It's good to define it though. Thank you. Um, but um. That's what I thought the work was initially, but there is also another piece of the work, which is um, like kind of like doing this like learning slash unlearning piece with young people around like how do they how do they like harness? So just really naturally, a lot of the ways in which they think create are like quite countercultural, but then on this pathway to success. Sometimes it is you feel like you have to desert a lot of those things, things that are like core to you. Mm -hmm. um, so and you see it like really, really often. Um, people like throwing away, taking and so they they have these big and full speaking to young people, these big and full lives, and have already started to play in different like creative disciplines and they're super resourceful and ambitious and talented. Um, and then when you interview, for example, and they go to interview and they are plain as paper <laughs> and you think like, no, this is not the same person that I saw on the stage. Like, um, right. do you know what I mean? You was on the stage, you held that space. Everybody, you were the man in the party. <laughs> like what happened? Um, and that feeling that you had to turn down. So like, right. The, like we're obviously convincing brand, a lot of our work is convincing brands of like the role of like cultural capital and marginalized communities, but like and how that can provide immense value. But then also with like young people, like kind of showing them how to harness it. So we're not teaching it to you because you have it already, right. because that is you developed it through your lived experience. But really showing you ways in which to like harness it, to acknowledge it, to to commission and remunerate them for it. Like at the end of a workshop. Um, a young woman said to me um, that the last one she was like oh so she kind of understood why she was there but she was like oh, but why did you pay us and I said because your insights are valuable of course we would pay you right. you know what I mean um, and that like, kind of like constantly like reaffirming that so they, they know like oh so it isn't you don't fall into that I have no experience I have no experience I have no experience but rather like actually I come like loaded with like cultural expression and heritage and stories um, that are like really like rich and nuanced and and full stop and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. do you want to do you want to work with this and I think that's when you you that's when you get into the that creative disruption and destruction space but before then I think it can be hard 
And that isn't uh that was of course a generalization. I know so many people who are obviously killing it and are and have been able to harness that, but I don't think it's a I don't find that to be the general um experience. And I think you touched on some really important things there, and I think there's that especially that idea of social capital. And, and but then I guess I wonder in many ways, you know, that there's many stories, you know, there's certainly as many stories in the creative industries as there are any others of kind of extracted mm-hmm. processes, um, you know, leveraging art forms uh, that you know aren't birthed in a culture, but certainly leveraged for the benefit of, um, of sales and, and revenue, et cetera. And, I like the feeling that these industries are more democratic than most or, uh, mm. you know, ca- can be in the margin. Um, but then one thing that I thought was interesting, and again, we, we, we kind of keep referencing these events, but I think it's great because it just means we've got like a secondary piece of data yeah, to, to back up sure. our chat. But one of the um, one of the panelists, you know, um, was talking about how they, um, you know, might have struggled with mental health, you know, while uh, as, a, as a creative person. And to, to kind of stand up on that stage and really take ownership of that, and mm. in many ways, I, I sensed, you know, I'm certainly not saying this is how she exactly feels, but I felt she felt conflicted in expressing it in a sense that it, it kind of feels strange to own something, which even though we talk about it more, I think we talk about it, but it doesn't mean we like, we don't celebrate it in a way. And I guess it's difficult to tell people at the start of their career, like, oh, this is a really great thing. But FYI, you might have te- like terrible mental health issues mm-hmm. by nature of the kind of tortured artist adage or whatever it might be, which unfortunately, you know, as a creative person myself, engaged with many in my life, does come around very, very often, unfortunately. And that's quite an unfortunate boundary condition to work within, yeah. in the sense that, you know, if you've, if you've had quite a tough upbringing and you've had to really graft to create a niche to be able to be in this place um, and work twice as hard, and you might have issues with mental health, those are great inputs into creativity. But that's an awful proposition to put forward as like a, maybe this is what the boundary conditions are for you to be successful. Sure. And so in terms of using creativity to benefit social value, like paradoxically, mm. you could imagine, oh yeah, we're being really creative, but we're also like tortured and well, struggling. Ooh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's like, how do you balance those two yeah. things? You know, I think it's really important to if that has happened in this conversation and I know it happens more generally to not like frame um, creative industries as Mecca because it is hell over here too. Um, yes, sir. The, <laughs> like the, and genuinely is, I think especially because, and I played and toyed around in like banking or whatever. So over here where you get to wear your um, own clothes, you get to go to some parties or gigs for free and you get to da, 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 da. Like it can be, it really is easy for it to be like, like everyone has and that's why when i when i mentioned the sectors that i enjoy and it's again it isn't perfect but um social sector like i think they are doing a lot of work around like what values especially hackney quest for example yeah like, i know hackney quest core values are because they work hackney quest is a youth work organization that has been based in hackney for 40 i know that's wrong but i'm gonna say at least <laughs> 40 years and decades. Um, yeah decades um and I know that they, uh, like, I, I've, I've seen it, I've experienced it. The children and young people who go, they experience it around their values of love, respect, um, safety. And I 
just know from mostly personal experiences and obviously experiences of peers that that isn't more like more generally the um where there are like commercial um goals or objectives um sometimes that like that is prioritized like like pro- like profit is um prioritized over like people everywhere and in any industry and sometimes at the uh, at the cost of your mental health so obviously really really important to not frame this as the mecca that being said when we look at um creativity um the role of creativity in creating social change i also think that like that falls into it so i think we've we've developed um delivered a lot of like wellness um training and like programs so we did during during the 2020 like i think maybe it was t- like late 2020 right. and you could meet in like small groups in of person course. now I, w- I was wondering why you were confused and i was like it's because it was the most confusing time the in most that's con- like, modern history <laughs> i don't even know if i'm saying the right all the yeah. rules i can't remember any of the rules when <laughs> when could we do this when could we do that and that's why i'm thinking ah oh, did we break some rules and am i <laughs> um, am i admitting to it was something? in 2020 <laughs> yeah at a point in 2020 um we delivered a month for wellness programming to um, for like women and girls, um, and that was from virtual like yoga, tr- like tr- like personal training sessions to um, workshops like art workshops focused on liberation. We've done um, we did a group residential out in the sticks to for young black men to like boost and supercharge their creativity and connect with nature. Like we completely understand. Like I think. The two are really intertwined. Like, so see, if we're talking about creativity, social change, we also have to talk about like wellness um, at the same time. Mm. And I'm actually really interested to see if that comes out in the fourth section because um, the, I mean, the third session. The, so the third session um, in this series of events is really focused on um, that space and like what the spaces that people need and if you could build your neighborhood, what would it look like? And I know we will get thing. People will talk about um, what they need to make money, so they talk about workspaces because like material, like material conditions first, um, and then they might talk about like leisure spaces or places to play. But will they talk about places where they go to be well? Um, and if you are like having a conversation with people about um, where do you go to be well, um, is uh, it's, I think conversations that people aren't having but really really necessary and if they don't mention it I'm going to prompt it <laughs> because I think it is easy to put on the back burner and just be like okay I just need to make money um, because I'm the starving artist but I, like I, I really do think the there is no there is no abundant future without us like figuring out how we get well collectively especially after the last couple of years that we've had yeah that's a really good point I think and that's really fundamental I think you've you've, you've framed it perfectly in terms of something that people don't think often with creativity is that wellness perspective. And certainly I think in a place like London and Hackney Wick, the rat race, however mm. you want to formalise it. I guess in many ways it's like when I started doing music, it, it was the thing of like, you know, the 10,000 hours or all of those stupid things. Well, they're mm. not stupid, I'm sure there's value, but uh, it's more just that it felt like it had to be tough. Mm. And I felt like if I was maybe happy or enjoying myself, like something was probably wrong. And that yeah. probably says something more about my psychology than a, than a broad psychology. So I don't want to say that's how everyone feels. But I guess when it starts becoming your job, and that was the difficulty I had with music, was you know I loved it as a form of expression um, and something to do in my time. 
But then as soon as it became something that was my livelihood, then it became a conflict mm-hmm. uh, internally. And, you know, the, the, the better I was doing, paradoxically, the worse I seemed to feel because what I had to exchange to get there. Mm. And that's when you said, it's not the mecca. But it doesn't mean that this ha- it has to be this way, obviously. Yeah. But I wonder when, you, you know, to go back to this point around focusing on social change through creativity as like, how might we uh, do that? How might we use creativity to foster social change? And I, I kind of see it as like creativity kind of underwriting social value in a sense that like, you know, when we say we look at the school system, mm. uh, primary and secondary school in, in the United Kingdom, uh, music education has you know loosely been kind of deconstructed and, and underfunded for a really long time. But again, you talk about that idea of worth and wellness and ownership. Mm. Like, as I sense it, I feel like you would get more of that stuff, those soft mm-hmm. elements of life in those classes over a maths class. And that's for not sure. because maths isn't important and a useful skill. If we're trying to build complete people, yeah. maybe we need to look at wellness through the prism of creativity and then is that underwriting social value? Does that sound in any way plausible? Sounds incredibly plausible. Um the one of my friends is helping to build Rekindle School, which is a school in Manchester. Okay. Where they're trying to essentially reimagine the curriculum. Um so it's a, it's it's like a uh, like they're building on um, like supplementary schools back in the I'm so bad at history but maybe like the 70s let's say between I'm going to give you guys a time frame so seven, between the 70s and the 90s supplementary educate schools but like Saturday schools used by like black British communities to supplement um, what they were missing in mainstream schooling because obviously of institutional racism etc and they kind of like they're bringing those back so it's Saturday school for people and that in the curriculum they're centering um that compassion and empathy and that really trying to reimagine like like um that traditional subject matter um and so yeah i absolutely like so to play back like underwriting creativity through underwriting social value through creativity the other way around Undervaluing social value through creativity, um, like it starts at starts really early, um, and starts through teaching like teaching values, um, or like embedding these values, core values, um, into the curriculum. Yeah, and it's, I guess it's just also about how people spend their time. You know, if you, you know, there weren't any galleries in my small town of like five thousand people growing up, so we didn't go to galleries. But as soon as I came to London, I, I started going to art galleries. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's because I loosely had a uh, interest. Yeah, an interest. Probably not in any specific artist. I can. It's probably to impress girls in the beginning. Mm. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, Do not kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but I wonder, like you know, and and, and a, a lot of the the uh, academic analysis around COVID or post COVID or during that sort of weird phase that you mentioned earlier was around the benefits of creativity or, or kind of how it was being utilised during those periods of isolation in order for people to feel, you know, some sense of happiness and what have you. Mm. And then how that extends outside. Like, does like the, does the attendeeship of the V&A in South Kensington reflect London as a whole? Mm. Will the V&A East in Stratford reflect London as a whole or will it specifically reflect Stratford and does that other one specifically reflect Kensington West Mm. London and if we think about that kind of idea of social value in terms of like ownership place reflection and you talked about um you know the Bethnal Green Station 
neural work. Like that's great. Like seeing something which feels more akin to what you're used to mm -hmm. and starts to break down that barrier between like home and the outside world. I guess I wonder whether or not we need to, you know, cultural institutions, you know, have, have you know, a lot of work that they put into trying to attract diverse audiences. But do, do you think they're doing it in a way that, you know, from first principles, like the efficient cause in terms of how they're using people in their company to come up with ideas to attract more people? Or I actually think, you know, Sarah Green and the VNA have done a really good job in, in Hackney Wick of coming out for a very long time before that space is open mm -hmm. and truly doing some good work in terms of leaving materials behind, giving opportunities for young people who don't usually have it to access yeah. materials and opportunities to do art. But do you think there's a better way forward to communicate to those people about the value of places like, you know, a, you know, what, um, even like the ballet or something, you know, I mean, sure. I don't go to the ballet, but I mean, Sure. Um, I mean, I have been to a ballet, but I have been one. to a ballet too. Um, literally one. Um, and you know, I feel I was thinking about this the other day. So you know, they have um, like the take lates. Yeah. Um, and I saw like quite a few people were there, and I I applaud them. I think it is. I think it is smart. It is fun. I still, I, I am conscious though that like the people who will go to a take late um, are on the, they're on that like upward mobile ladder or escalator um, and they just become the, like they will be the people who were traditionally like who these spaces were traditionally for maybe they they might be a little bit more like ethnically diverse or maybe they might be a slightly more like like there might be a slightly more like neurodiversity but like yeah i am like i am sometimes i think we need to like these museums, in a, sometimes, you know, these museums can, like, they just, you enter and they feel... Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? There's a feel. Um, and the way that in which they've been designed, they tell you that you are not, this is not for you. Or, like, they, they invite you to a night, 7 to 11 p.m., come and dance. But in the morning, we know, <laughs> we know he's back here. Um, so, like, and, you know, I spoke about it like, a little bit around, like, when you've only been afforded, like, temporary... Like it's always like pop-ups but like right. sometimes there is it lacks like permanence it lacks like ownership um and it lacks like kind of like a reimagine it like a, a real reimagining so like knock down the um like knock down the museum and like what 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 and so i really liked um this is still kind of temporary but i don't know if you saw that um it was somewhere in the u.s but the museum guards um curated uh um, oh, wow, okay and essentially they are like they see it they've seen it day to day they obviously take an interest people ask them questions about the art so they like they put them on a curate like uh, art curator program um and then they let them like curate an, an exhibition and obviously and they they put them on like uh they got like a diploma etc and, and they got paid to curate it and like i really do like that felt like a real shift, um, like a real power shift. So, because we haven't actually spoke about power much yet, but like I think, 
a real power shift is probably like essential to to because I think the community engagement is like really powerful and important and, and obviously we do what we can with what we have but like I think ways in which to shift power so you give you give someone like the full budget you don't give them the community engagement budget you give them the keys to the space you put the space in their area do you know what I mean like re- things that actually like shift the doubt because yeah I think yeah giving me a night to go and shake my leg and then tell me to pack up at 11 because the your the audience you care about is on their way soon and they can't have any signs that I was here there's sometimes I was watching everyone's story and I was thinking Mm-mm, I'm not going to this like right. this doesn't feel this isn't, this isn't this isn't like this isn't the work it's just fun give you some room there to talk about power because it sounds like you've got Mm. some perspective there because I think the kind of point around I mean and I I think the more maybe a more complex problem there is a call to action for for folks working in cultural spaces that's maybe you know looking past kind of post hoc programs and events Mm -hmm. which go okay now we're done we're building this space and all of the million decisions that came to you know a plan on a piece of paper to or an idea in someone's head plan on a piece of paper construction end result now the end result is there and we go we do three events a month with you know insert whatever their objective is sure which is really limiting and as you said like people see through that in a way um or or often will so a more complex chaotic problem would be how we yeah design spaces to or you know how earlier on in the process of these places coming into actuality or in the review of these places that are historic how can we look deeper into mm-hmm. the fabric the material cause and from first principles break it down and say like why do these spaces not attract certain people is it because of the things you've just expressed there so that's a call to action for the for the folks in the cultural um space and i guess we, we talk about maybe slightly complex stuff around schooling which i think has a lot of benefits so i think wellness through creativity and creativity underwriting social value mm. feels like a good link there you mentioned power and said that we maybe wouldn't have enough time. Yeah. We might not have enough time to touch on it in mm. its entirety because it's, you know, I guess it's as fundamental as water mm. existence. But speak to me about that. What do you, what was your sense of that in this, in terms of this idea of creativity and social change and how these things interact? Where does power sit in that dynamic? Yeah. Um, I can't remember the exact LinkedIn post, but in my head, I think I would have mentioned. Um, so follow Alvin on LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly, because that's where you give, give, the them full, give them full names so they can. Um, Alvin also follow on LinkedIn. Um, but I, I, I speak about that power sharing quite a bit, and how we ultimately like it is about it is about like the these institutions not not existing because institutions are helpful, but like. As in, you want to resource communities to the point where they can build their own institutions. Um, whereas it's like I like we give people just enough power, um, like just enough, so they is the like so we're, that we're really safe. That we don't really have to question too. And I think about um, a lot of these places. If you look at their endowments, for example, um, so see they have this. Um, 
that big fund portfolio that like obviously props up the their their existence and at the same time that fund um probably invests in invests in regeneration that like displaces communities it probably invests in like harmful the harmful production of like materials um that may be like damaging the global south like there um and it's because but like we will never get enough power to tell them and i don't i don't really like um yeah i see what you're saying i'll never be i don't want to be um what's the word pessimistic and to say like never but as in like through these programs and through these like really small power sharing activities do we ever get to the place where we can help to reconfigure like their endowment to really like push money to where it needs to go to because that's that's how we get to a place where people can are like properly resourced to to build another institution um yes diversify the vna but also me and my boys want to make one too um and we want one in kensington and we would like one in stratford so like how about like how about that let's have that conversation that. <laughs> let's have that conversation um that's no, a great point and it's that kind of idea around sort of like pre-distribution yeah know, rather than re and mm. it doesn't sound like um environmental social and governance funds are doing a lot for you in the sense of getting money out to worthy causes i mean i think i don't think tesla's on there but i think certain oil companies mm. sit in that index so um exactly yeah and there's a reality there that sort of feels again it's like engineered to work towards return on investment rather than mm-hmm. actual social value mm-hmm. which as you say like you know why haven't we built our own it's a tough it's a tough question to approach though isn't it because you think or is it like is what what's the what do you think are the main barriers to that becoming a reality like if you if you could unpick that in a, a utopian world where there was no restrictions on your action what would be the two or three things or the, even the one thing not to put too many on it that would you think you know that that squeaky oil get a uh, squeaky car getting the grease and and that change starting to happen more regularly yeah um i i think the perfect i think i am the perfect example I was fresh out of uni and I went to go manage a 10 million pound fund with another, I was 23 and I did that with a 22 year old. Um, it burst my brain. Um, it was so hard. It was so complex. I struggled, like my mental health took a toll for the worst. And, but I think that was, it's because it was, it hasn't been, it, it hasn't been done. Um, because we have assumptions about like how much people can do like when we say power to the people we only kind of sort of mean it like we don't trust them enough um to to actually give them power um and like so i am really thankful for like children need trusted me i think there was an element of they didn't know what they were doing either because it was the first you know i mean first time so like they didn't realize the risks that they were taking um but took it anyway um and so yeah i think the like the barriers or what that like, actually looks next is really reflecting on that and i hate the me telling people to reflect like because people you know when you see people ask for actionable things and you go and tell them to reflect then they just reflect forever and they don't do anything yeah so if you're listening this reflection is not for you <laughs> like if this reflection is for people who haven't done the reflection already if you've been reflecting for a long time then i'll say another thing but like, but I do think really reflecting on um, 
like who we trust, how we trust, and why, what and how and what that looks like. Um, and like I, I spoke to at the workshops one of the young boys. I don't know if he's that young actually. He runs like a music night, and I remember I spoke to him. And one of my big things is about like giving people keys to space. Like space comes up quite a lot. Like people talk about Such a premium, yeah. It's, so I said, and I spoke to him, and I saw his eyes let up, and he was like, "Guy, that's crazy," because. I guess he, like, I think he had maybe so many experiences where he hadn't even, like, he had got to the point where he didn't even, all he can kind of a vision is a night. It's just a night and then that, and it's, there isn't, like, what is next. But you could, you, my friend, could have your own color factory and you could program and produce um, events. Like, you, you, you are, like, capable. It's, it's completely within you. And it's just, it's literally a matter of... Um, someone like trusting you with appropriate like resource to to do that um so i absolutely do think it is if you say someone comes to you with a big pitch you think oh there's no way i'm giving that to you reflect on that why like reflect on your levels of risk um and who they are because i think some people are seen as inherently more risky like class race age all these things and i like and you know be prepared to lose money we did the really small grant scheme. Um, gave three young people five hundred pound. The and I, I, I said, guys, I remember we run a few workshops with them. I said, guys, if you run off to Dubai with this money, it's not me that will chase you. <laughs> like, I but I trust you enough because that's why we recruited you. One of them is delivering. One of them managed to like use our money, created a pitch, pitched it to someone else, got three k or so, and is delivering um, a program across like estates. Um, in Hackney, which is obviously beautiful to see, and they're they're doing this really really interesting like recruitment, like playing with different content styles, etc. One of them kind of said, "Nah, I don't want the five hundred pound anymore." Um, like oh, wow. kind of like he liked the idea of the community, he liked being spotlighted, but he didn't want to. He's not at the stage where he wants to do it, so he said, "Cool, keep that." And then someone else, um, like is yet to deliver the program, and it's like, but we just said we were happy with um. Like we we bear the risk if that makes sense. Like yeah. we said, okay, cool. We're just gonna. This is a test. Let's see what comes of it. And you know what? I think the one program being a success and they're delivering it and getting more money and it's supporting X amount of people from Hackney is kind of good enough. I think we give people five, ten, fifty k and ask for the moon and the stars to be brought down, um, so you can impress your boss. And I think less of that. And I think that's how we don't share. Like that's why how we won't get to the place where that power is equitably shared. Right. Beautifully. I was I was going to try and add points onto that, but I think that was just a perfect um, summation of a, of a really, yeah, important thing. Like, get you know, it's getting that, you know, it's, it's, it's I guess it's the difficulty of, you know, the dirty word of capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, but essentially, you know, if you can get the money and then uh, allocate that to your worldview, you know mm-hmm. that there's there isn't anything wrong with that if your worldview is mm-hmm. is pure and and you and those things that you'd say that are important are still important once you get the money mm-hmm. that's how we create a better society so literally yeah those, literally it's the money yeah capital allocation you know people in those industries you know they you know the return is what they need but you know we can look at things like I mean crowdfunding's been incredible you know some mm-hmm. some other things which you know that you talk about it, people in charge of grant pots you know how do they you know, how do they evaluate return on investment? Like, can yeah. we look at new models that yep. focus on prosperity and social yep. value and creativity in a formulaic way? Because I think we can calculate those things. I just mm-hmm. think we're 
a little bit sheepish about it because it feels unnatural. It yeah. feels like it's talking the language of capitalism, which yeah, 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 yeah. Like, don't bring that over here. But uh-huh. like for me, in my experience, I see so much value in that. And I think you perfectly encapsulated it. But before we go, in terms of um, what you're working on right now, what you've got coming up, if people want to follow you and follow you and your work, what are the um, what are the best places to find you? What are the things you're working on right now? Sure. Um, I will shout out two things. Um we are working on a cost of living report. Um, so we've been speaking to young people across the city for a little while and asking them how they're experiencing uh, the crisis and how they expect brands and organisations to show up for them. Um, and obviously we're going to put like we're working on that report right now. I think it's out in March. Um, and it's obviously completely like free for all. Um, and I think it will be helpful for everyone. Um, to to because I think the like young people have gone through a pandemic and now they're in a, a, another crisis that's definitely like, affecting the way they play, the way they commune, the way they eat, the way they think and feel. Um, so like really, so it's it's time to take note of that again. Um, in a way that and we noticed that people weren't. So that's coming out soon, and we're also launching a podcast. Um, oh wow soon i don't really know the <laughs> timelines but um that com- the podcast is called the boardroom um and we have obviously young people um in conversations about big things that happen in the world um but it's called the boardroom because obviously they've been excluded from the boardroom like they should have been in the room making decisions because they are the real tastemakers and they influence and shape culture so she's given them the platform to do so and where you can find us is at Tag Agency UK. I've shouted out my LinkedIn a few times, so I'm not going to do that again. And then my personal socials at, Al- at Alvin Owusu, but Alvin is spelled A-L-V-N. Perfect. And we'll put all the links in the description just in case anyone didn't catch any of that. Alvin, really appreciate it, man. Thank you for making the time. No problem at all. Thank you.